Welcome to Kids First Coming Attractions. Before you go out and spend money on that new movie, make sure to listen to the entire show right here on the Voice America Kids channel. We'll take you behind the scenes and preview new movies and DVD releases. Now, here are your hosts for Kids First Coming Attractions. Welcome to Kids First Coming Attractions. I'm Jerry Orson. Today we'll be talking about a lot of great shows and, t- and films, but right now I want to start off with Chris Dowling, who is the director, producer, and writer of the brand new film, Run the Race. How are you doing today, Chris? Jerry, I am doing fantastic, bud. How are you? I am doing very well. Thank you. So the first thing I want to talk about is just kind of how the story of how the film was made. Can you kind of talk about the origin of the story and the process in making it? Yeah, I mean... Uh- um, it's actually uh, one of those like kind of long gestation periods. There was a there's a guy Jake McIntyre who is a producer on this as well, and he originally wrote the script when he was in college, like 12 years ago. And um, it was one of those things where there's a lot of starts and stops, like a lot of crazy stuff. And at one point, he even sold his house, like kind of pursuing trying to get this made. And um, and it took 10 years until the t- got in the Tebow family's hands, and then um Robbie uh, and Tim got involved. Things started rolling, and then I got brought in at that point um, by some producers to come in and um, and rewrite the project and then ultimately to come on and direct it. But I mean, from start to finish, it's a, you know, it's a 14 year process. I think it's 12, 14 years, something like that. But either way, a long time. You know, it really just shows you how much work goes into making a singular film. And something that I found interesting about the film is that even though at first it looks like it's just a sports film, it does have a lot of religious messages as well. And from a directorial standpoint, you know, what did you do? How did you kind of approach the religious aspect to incorporate it well with the uh, sports? And that's a good question. I mean, to me, it's, um, you know, there's a lot of kind of these films that um, deal with faith and they're very message driven and kind of on the nose. And um, I mean, that's never anything I really want to do. But I I think, um, you know, faith can be an interesting layer in any film and with any character and for me, this is very much like a coming of age movie with these two brothers and it's kind of the two of them against the world. And yeah, I mean, football is a backdrop, um, but ultimately it really is, man. It's, it's, it's just about these two kids and, and they're trying to tackle the world and figure out life. And um, obviously, and part of that is, um, you know, is this, is this faith element of the brother trying to figure out his faith and, you know, he's dealing with loss and he's dealing with first love and, you know, I, you know, any, anything that you're dealing with at that age, um, so again, it was it was about making it a layer of the story and not making it like, um, you know, a big neon sign or, um, you know, whatever, whatever, you know, whatever it might be in some other other films. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And I kind of liked how it was very unique in that way that it was just the side part of the film, kind of an aspect, not the main message of the film. And like you said, a lot of the a lot of things happened to the two brothers throughout the story. And as a director, you know, what what did you do to kind of make those points stand out to get us to really relate to those characters so we feel the horrible things that we see going on to them as well as the big successes going on with them as well? Yeah, I mean, I think um, especially, um, you know, and especially the generation in, in, in your guys' age, it's like you guys crave authenticity, I think, more than any other um, – you know, age group. I mean, my, my daughters just want to watch YouTube. They don't even want to watch TV at this point. And it's just these kids, you know, you know, it's, they, they love it just feeling real and, and all of that. Um, and, and so I think it's about creating some characters that you actually give a rip about by making them feel like real people having real conversations. And so, um, that was a lot of build, building in the dialogue and just finding good actors that, that, um, you know, that can kind of play with that and, um, and let them run with some stuff. And, um, and again, make it feel like you're just a fly in a, on the wall and, and shooting it, you know, a little grittier and a lot of handheld and, um, there's a lot of long takes in it. And it was just, um, 
you know, any way to get you to come in on these guys and, and, and just like you said, you want to root for them and, and you get invested early with them. And so you go on the journey. You know, they are definitely very deep characters. And did you as a director kind of contribute anything from your own personal experiences to the two brothers, uh, Zach and Dave Truitt? Yeah, I think you always do that. I mean, obviously, I, I, you know, I wrote it, rewrote it heavily. So it's, you know, there's there's that. I'd already, you know, I'd already been with these characters for a while. Um, but also, like, look, growing up, my, my brother was my best friend with three years difference. And, um, you know, just thinking about um, how he, he and I would have tackled the world together had we needed to. I mean, my, a great family life and stuff, so it's not the same. But ultimately, you know, just how special that bond is. There's And there's a lot of movies that get made about a lot of different relationships, but there's not a whole lot of movies that deal with, I mean, you know, essentially just like a straight up brother kind of drama and the bond between two brothers. Um, um, and so, I don't know. I mean, I think it was interesting to kind of dive into that. Yeah, you know, you're right. There's definitely not a lot of sibling films in general that just really focus on the sibling relationship, which can be very uh, distinct, very complex, and very unique. Now, as I mentioned, you had a lot of different roles in this film. You're the director, producer, and writer, and you also did acting before. So, in your personal opinion, what is your favorite position on a set, and why is that the position? Um, I mean... Probably writing, and, and a lot of that has to do with, I mean, I love kind of creating, but also, to be honest with you, man, I'm in a point in my life where I've got, you know, two little girls and a wife at the house, so when I go direct, I'm gone for three months, and as much as I love directing, um, I love having time with my family, so, like, right now, it's it's super cool when I have a writing gig and I can drop my little girls off at school and, and just kind of, you know, get, get to the coffee shop and bear down for five or six hours and just kind of create this world and these characters, and then at the end, I go jump back and make it home for dinner. So, um, from that, from that side, I mean, I've always loved writing probably the most. And now that I've gotten older and like I said, just with the family stuff, it makes even more sense. But, um, but again, there's nothing like directing man and the rush, kind of that rush of like being in the thick of it. And, and you're kind of, you know, the team captain and this is your set and you're trying to make all these things happen. And, you know, it's just, there's something about that, that, and I grew up doing team sports and stuff that, um, you know, I really respond to, but if I had to choose me, if I, it was like one or the other for the rest of my life, I'd probably go writer, um, but you know, across the board, it's all fun. And then producing wise, I've produced some documentaries and we're doing a docu-series right now. And that's also a very interesting, um, you know, it's just another world, but it's super interesting to get in there and, and tell real stories. And that's very true. Each position has its his its own benefits, its own negatives. They all have very distinct roles. You're listening to Kids First Comic Tractions right now. We are talking to Chris Dowling on Run the Race. He is the director, producer, and writer of the film. My next question for you, Chris, is about the sports side. You mentioned you had interest in sports yourself. And there's two main sports that's that's shown in the film, track and football. So to you personally, do you have a favorite? Favorite sport? Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, my favorite sport to always play growing up was baseball. But, you know, now, again, now that I'm, you know, older, like, I like I still play basketball a lot. So, like, I'm probably in on basketball. But I guess I'm all over the board, man, because if I have to watch anything, I'm going to watch my Dallas Cowboys. So I'm watching football. But when it's all said and done right now, um, I'm in the middle of club soccer with my little girls. So, I mean, I love to watch my, my girls play soccer. So, um, but I still play basketball, like, two or three times a week. And I do, I do dig that. Um, so I guess it's probably the hoops. Oh, that's very fair. And uh, another question for you is there's we kind of talked about this previously with the religious aspect, but I felt there's a lot of messages in this film about success and perseverance and following your dreams and focusing on what matters. But to you personally, what did you want audiences to get out of this film? Um, I mean, I think 
I really honestly, what I want audiences to get is I, I just, I want them to, to experience again. I am, I go back to like authenticity, but like, I just, I've always loved like my favorite movies stand by me. Like I always love coming in a, of age movies. And so, um, I just want audiences to go on a journey with these guys and like, and, and again, to see, to see these two brothers and how, you know, and even especially now this generation, you hear so much, you know, you know, uh, negative speak about millennials and even younger and just, and it's like, man, let them tackle the world. Let them try something. Let's go watch these two kids, um, do it, you know, do it together. And, and so, I mean, at the end of the day, I hope, I think there's different, um, pieces of it that different people attach to the, you know, the father situation, a broken family, uh, the death dealing with, you know, the mother, um, obviously the faith issue, um, you know, the drama of uh, the fir- having your first love and, and all the, you know, craziness that goes on with that. Um, I, there's just a lot of angles in it. And I think um, the cool thing is um, if you care about the characters, you're going to find something that you as the audience associate with and you're going to roll with it. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of challenges that they have to overcome. And it was very inspirational to see them overcome a lot of them, even when it seemed that all fate, hope was lost and that life was really pulling it over you. Now, there's a lot of characters in this film. They all have their unique traits, their their unique faults, and their unique uh, talents. But to you personally, do you have a character that you relate to the most? I relate to the most? Um, I don't know. That's a good good question. I I don't don't know. I don't know. I mean, I guess I I see little pieces of... um, I mean, you know, I don't know, maybe Zach, maybe, maybe the lead, because um, I'm somebody who's, you know, always still questioning things, but um, I'm probably in a much more, you know, firm, older place looking back and saying, you know, I've got what I believe in, but ultimately, like, I don't think I have all the answers. Um, and, but I, yeah, I don't know. I don't have an answer. I don't no, have an answer. That's well, that seems absolutely fair. And, you know, they are all very unique. And that's kind of interesting because I know a lot of directors do that where they contribute a little piece of themselves in each character to kind of make it have a very specific character of the entire film. And another question I had for you is there's a lot of challenges in a film that has a lot of sports like this one where uh, Zach Truett and Dave Truett, they had to do a lot of running. They had to do a lot of exercising. So for those scenes, did you ever have a challenge getting to getting them to that extent to make it look like they're professional football or track players? Yeah, no, actually, it was insane. Fortunately, both those guys are like pretty close out of um, high school, so they're still in pretty good shape, and they're both athletes. But like, we had one day where um, we were run- we were shooting a lot of the, the track stuff, and I remember uh, we had a, a um, college team that was you know being the other runners. And at one point, the coach came over to us and he was like, "We can't do much more." We looked, he looked down on his watch, and his uh, his guys had they they'd been they'd run nine miles already. Um, from just literally us resetting and running again. And so we were killing these guys. So it's like, that's the type of stuff we didn't realize it, but it's like, yeah, it's brutal. And, um, but you know, Tanner who plays Zach, he, he was just doing it. He didn't say a word. He kept doing it. And, um, and then, and you know, the, the crazy thing is the opening football scene. Um, we actually found a, a high school Bessemer Academy in, in, in Bessemer in, in um, Alabama. And it was awesome. When we got there, they were about to have their championship high school game and we just talked to the coach and he let us literally like put our players uh, in uniform on the sideline for the game. He was letting my guys run out on the field and run back. I had my uh, Michael T. Williamson, who plays our head coach, was literally dressed on the sideline as the head coach yelling at the players at his own at the real players during the game. Um, and we got four camera crews out there and 
they let us shoot this whole championship football game like it was just part of our movie, which, I mean, for us, production value-wise was huge. We had, you know, 800 people in the crowd, and um, and, the, and the stuff, so it looks great. I mean, and we actually had um, some buddies that were ESPN cameramen that came out there to shoot some stuff, and um, it was pretty rad. So it was, the sports stuff looks super legit in the movie, um, which, again, goes back to trying to make this thing feel authentic. You know, I always love that about films, those stories where they there's just some unique situation, some unique opportunity that you would have never guessed possible that really makes a scene stand out because it's just so realistic, like just using a real crowd in a real football game, for example. Well, Chris, thank you so much for talking to me about Run the Race. Oh, I appreciate it, Jerry. Thank you for having me. Of course. For our viewers, if you'd like to check it out, it's going to be in theaters February 22nd, and you can also find information on runtherace.com. Let's take a break. I'm Jerry Ors from Los Angeles, and you're listening to Kids First Come Attractions. This week's show is sponsored by Octonus Reef. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com To become a Kids First Film Critic, enter one of our local campaigns running throughout the year or join our national campaign this fall. We are looking for kids ages 7 to 16 who love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to see movies before anyone else does. All you need to do to enter is submit a written and videotaped review of one of our selected films and then reach out to your friends and family to vote for you. This summer, join us at one of our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps in three cities, New York, Washington, D.C., and Martha's Vineyard, where you can learn how to critique films and practice your on-camera and acting skills. Check it all out at www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to be one of America's next film critics? Just visit kidsfirst.org for more information. Hurry, our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps are filling up fast. Join our team of youth reporters and help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose to go see. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. For teens, by teens, and about teens. Tune into the uncensored and unedited discussions with young adults on Express Yourself. Every Sunday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time and 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Smart, tenacious teen hosts and reporters from around the country speak up and speak out. Express yourself. Visit the website for the show to find out more at expressyourselfteenradio.com. And check out the show on the Voice America Empowerment Channel every Sunday. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is on Instagram. Make sure you follow us and comment on our pictures from behind the scenes at our radio shows, live events, and around the network. We want to see what you have to share as well. Check us out on Instagram at Voice America Talk Radio. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You 
are tuned in to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids channel. Shh, turn off your phone. Another movie review is coming up. Hey, welcome back. I'm Sahiba and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. We've been talking about Run the Race and next we'll be talking with Benjamin, Damon and Zoe about the kid who would be king. Welcome to the show, guys. Hi. So I'm really excited to talk about this film with you guys. I've heard so many things and I can't wait to hear what you guys have to tell me. So, um, Benjamin, can you just tell me a little bit about the movie and what you thought about it? Um, I really like this movie. I think it's a fresh take on King Arthur, which is a movie that's been uh, or a movie, a story that's been told a lot in movie form. Um, but I think it makes some changes to it that I feel uh, makes it interesting and uh, fun. Um, and yeah, I really enjoyed this movie. That's really cool. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. I was like, there's so many shows and movies about Merlin and how are they going to make this, you know, different? So that's really cool. And so, Damon, can you tell me a little bit about the acting and what you thought about it? Well, movie was really good in the film, like I should. They had all the expressions of the characters would be at the right times and moment, and and everything that they were doing was really realistic, and everything around them was was the same. That's really cool. And what did you think of the movie? Do you agree with Benjamin? Yeah, I agree. It was a really good movie about the. A modern telling of the the story of King Arthur finding the Holy Grail, ha- holding the Excalibur. That's awesome. And Zoe, what do you think about um, this take on the story of Merlin? It's, I mean, like I said before, so many Merlin movies. I did really like it, and I also liked how they got the story of King Arthur, and they kind of changed it into something new and more relatable to new generations. That's really cool. Yeah, and so um, what did you think of the special effects of The Kid Who Would Be King? <gasps> Zoe, sorry. Oh, okay. Um, I did really like all the special effects, although it kind of made the movie seem a little less like original because it kind of felt like I was watching a Harry Potter Fantastic Beast film, but I did oh, like I think that they did a really good job on the special effects. Very cool. And um, Benjamin, so what did you think about the costumes and the set design? It's sort of in a modern world, yet not really. So, Yeah, I was really impressed with the set design for Morgana's lair, the, the villain in this movie. I thought it was just like really gross looking. And just uh, whenever it came on screen, it helped make her seem more intimidating and... Um, Made her presence feel more scary, I guess. Oh, that sounds creepy, but very interesting. And um, Damon, so there are several characters in this film. There's obviously the main character, but all his sidekicks as well. So what did you think of um, the characters and their development throughout the film? Well, all the characters had a real development. It's like in the story of King Arthur, turning your friends into enemies. That, that they kept going through how how the entire story of King Arthur that they need to follow it again to defeat Morgana and all the friends developed their friendship with 
with Alexander and they the, and his best friend, who was always his best friend, stayed. I also thought it was really cool that the names actually matched throughout the film. Like Sir Lancelot and Ray and then there was a boy named Lance. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that is important um, to have those names throughout the film. And um, so, Zoe, I'm curious, um, you were saying um, how the main character, he's sort of different from the original Merlin, yet he's slightly different. So how is this um, take on the characters different than the original? It's different because, like, they, each character is very unique in their own way, and they all... And they all kind of, they um, they all do like something different. And all the characters in the movie, they kind of build this group, and they each, like they each are very important to the story because they they all bring a different element, and it's really, it's really fascinating. All you're watching, you can really believe. And I do like how it is different from the original character, so it's not feeling like you're just watching King Arthur again. Wonderful. And so finally, what would you say the age range and star rating would be? Uh, I would give this movie a 4.5 out of 5 stars and recommend it probably for ages 6 to 18. Cool. And how about you, Benjamin? What would you give uh, the kid who would be king? Um, I'm going to give this movie three and a half out of 5 stars. I think you should really go see this. I think you'll have a lot of fun. Um, and I give it an age rating of 7 to 13, because I think there are some scary elements, like there's dragons and monsters. Oh, I'm really looking forward to see this film after everything you guys have told me. And finally, Damon, what would you say um, the age range and star rating should be? I would also rate it 4.5 stars. I think that probably, yeah, like 7 to... 18, because it's a good family movie, but there's a small aspect of fear in it. Wonderful. It's been a pleasure talking with you guys about The Kid Who Would Be King. So thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Of course. You're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today we're talking about Run the Race, The Kid Who Would Be King, Llama Llama Red Pajama, Cecile on the Upside, Stan and Ollie, and The Cat in the Hat Knows a Lot About That, Volume 3, Season uh, season 3, Volume 1. And next, I'll be talking with Arjun about The Upside. Welcome to the show. Happy to be here. Of course. So, um, can you tell me a little bit about this movie, what it's about, and what you thought about it? Alright, so, uh, the main plot of the movie is basically, um, you know, there's an unemployed man, and he's kind of an ex-felon, like, you know, he was released from prison, but, and he's looking for work, obviously, to support the family he kind of left behind. And, of course, he meets a wealthy man played by none other than Brian Cranston, who is a qua- uh, quadriplegic. You know, he can't move at all. And it's really just about the unlikely friendship between them. Oh, sounds really interesting. And so what did you think about the acting? There's some pretty great actors in this one. So um, I thought the acting was absolutely great, um, especially from Kevin Hart, who I was really surprised by, because we've never really seen him take up 
such a dramatic role. Most of his acting just really comes from his quick, you know, time jokes and all that, which are really funny. But, you know, we haven't seen him do a lot of drama. Um, and I think that he nailed the drama here. And it, it um and it, the relationship between him and, you know, Brian Cranston's character, it felt very natural, you know, nothing felt forced, you know, they're just like two good friends in the moment. Nice, that's always fun to see um, good chemistry between actors on screen. And so what was something that you thought was very memorable or unique about this film? Um, definitely the most memorable parts um, were that, you know, it's based off of a French movie. It's a remake, and you know, it it kind of follows the same plot and even a lot of the same scenes. But I loved how in some of the scenes they kind of had a neat twist that was, um, you know, kind of like their way of just you know twisting up the scene. And I thought it was interesting to see how they would change the scenes. But I mean, much of the scenes really align much the much the same. Okay, very interesting. And so you said that it's a remake. Do you think that it sort of lived up to the expectations that or expectations, sorry, that one has when seeing a remake? Um, so I do think that people who are gonna see who have seen the French movie, The Untouchables, a classic, of course, um, are gonna probably leave a little, maybe a little disappointed after watching this movie. I personally watched this movie first and was absolutely blown away by it. I mean, like if you haven't seen the other movie, it, it's just a one of a kind tale that really needs to be, you know, explored. And but I think the main problem that cup really the movie's only real fault is that it, it's just kind of a remake and doesn't really do too much new. Okay, cool. And so, did you have a favorite part in watching The Upside? I did have many. I thought the, um, let's see, the there's a scene involving, like, uh, where he has to shave the quadru- quad. I mean, he has to shave the quadriplegic and, uh, what, what's his name, actually? Uh, Philip, I believe his name was. Um, and that was absolutely funny. It was taken straight from the French movie. They changed up a little. Um, but I thought that was, you know, it was one of the funniest scenes they kept, you know. Awesome. And so I'm curious, um, in this film, were the characters developed really well sort of from the beginning and the end? And did they have a drastic change? And did that affect sort of your liking of the characters? Uh, Definitely. The character development here was on point. um, And they really balanced the blend of jokes and, I guess, character development, as I mentioned. Um, really well, you know, you, you you can honestly really feel for Kevin Hart's character and Brian Cranston's character, you know, um, and especially for um, Kevin, uh, Kevin Hart plays Dell and his situation with his family and how they how like they've kind of like turned their back on him just because he doesn't really have a job and he's um, and they believe he's not willing to go through like lengths with getting a job and working. Um, but they really make you feel for the characters involved. That's amazing. And yeah, this sounds like a really heartwarming film, and I'm so excited to go see it. But um, finally, what would you say the star rating in age range would be? I'd give it a four out of five stars just because if you've seen the original, you're not really going to miss out on much. But if you haven't seen this movie, it's 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 absolutely you need to watch it. And then maybe a 10 to 18 just because there were some sexual references and there's a, there's a scene with drug use. 
Okay, but thank you so much for being out here with me, Arjun. It was such a pleasure to talk to you and learn about this film, The Upside. So thank you so much. No problem. So let's take a break and be sure to check out The Upside in theaters today. I'm Sahiba and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today's show is sponsored by Octonauts Reef. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. To become a Kids First film critic, enter one of our local campaigns running throughout the year or join our national campaign this fall. We are looking for kids ages 7 to 16 who love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to see movies before anyone else does. All you need to do to enter is submit a written and videotaped review of one of our selected films and then reach out to your friends and family to vote for you. This summer, join us at one of our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps in three cities, New York, Washington, D.C., and Martha's Vineyard, where you can learn how to critique films and practice your on-camera and acting skills. Check it all out at www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to be one of America's next film critics? Just visit kidsfirst.org for more information. Hurry, our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps are filling up fast. Join our team of youth reporters and help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose to go see. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. You are tuned in to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids Channel. Shh. Turn off your phone. Another movie review is coming up. Hey, welcome back. I'm Jerry Orris from Los Angeles, and you're listening to Kids First Come Attractions. We were talking about a lot of great films and movies, and now we're going to be talking with Malika, who is 11 from Los Angeles, a llama llama red pajama. So, Malika, I personally don't know what this is, and I'm sure a lot of our audience doesn't. Can you kind of inform us what this is and uh, what it's based off? Oh, yeah, totally. So, Llama Llama Red Pajama is based on the book by Anna Dwedney. It's cute, relatable, fun. You get to meet all of Llama's adorable friends like Nellie New, Luna Giraffe, Euclid the Sheep, and Yoroi the Goat. All of his best friends, they become closer through all different um, episodes. And Llama Llama lives with his mom, and he has two amazing grandparents who do amazing activities with him. And he goes through a lot of things and learns learns a lot of lessons throughout this film. That just sounds absolutely adorable. You know, recently I've been seeing a really big resurgence in uh, films and TV shows based off kids' books, like huge, huge wave of this. So do you personally feel that it captures kind of the the authenticity, I should say, of a kids' book? Yeah, totally. Well, that's very good to hear. And I'm assuming it's meant for kids, but what would be your exact age range for it? My age range would be two to eight. And why is that the best age range for it? I feel like I have a little brother. He's two years old, and I feel like he would really enjoy watching that. And I have a baby brother who's also four years old, and I think he would like watching it. And I have a cousin who's eight years old, and I think she'd really enjoy it too. But why do you not think it's best for older ages? Um, I also have um, a 10-year-old cousin, and 
I don't think she would like it. And why is that? I think it's more kiddish for like younger kids, but I think that older kids would more enjoy other films. That's very fair. And I'm guessing this is animated too, so what did you think about the animation? The animation was great. It made me feel like I was actually a part of their town. Llama Llama, he's just so cute, and the animation is amazing. That's excellent. And how many stars would you give this film? I give this film five out of five stars. And why is that? I think that if I was a little kid and I imagined being younger, I think I would really enjoy this and like watching this. Yes, it does seem like an absolutely excellent kids' film, but what a lot of parents want in kids' films is messages and lessons that they can learn from it, so it's also an educational experience. Did you feel this had any message or lesson that kids can learn? There's a lot of messages, but I think the most important ones, I think the most important message in this is that kind is important and that you need to practice patience and that your actions can affect others in a positive and negative way. And how did the film show those messages? There were different chapters, and one of them that um, had um, a very important message was from the episode Time to Share. Um, one, of Lama's, one of Lama Lama's very good friends, Nellie New, accidentally rips off his favorite teddy bear's arm, and Mama Lama comes in and saves the day by sewing the arm back on, and their friendship is saved. That's a very pure, you know, it sounds like an absolutely excellent kids film. It sounds just really, really wonderful. Now, you mentioned there's different episodes. Do you have a favorite episode or scene? My favorite episode is Noisy Neighbor, where Llama Llama and his friends take up community service where they have to clean up the yard of a scary neighbor. And why did you like that one? I like that one because it kind of shows that they work together in order to clean the yard and they get to learn who the new neighbor is. I see. And, you know... Would you feel that you would like to see more of the Llama Llama show or just in general kids' books convert into TV shows? Yeah. And why is that? I love the messages that it gives out and that kids can see, and it's very clear for kids to see. I definitely agree. It's really entertaining, and kids absolutely love it. Well, Malika, thank you so much for talking to me about Llama Llama. Thank you for having me. Of course. For our audience, definitely check it out. It seems like it'll be a great experience for the kids and also has a lot of great messages as well. You're listening to Kids First Come Attractions. Right now, we were speaking to Malika on Llama Llama Red Pajama. Now we're going to switch gears and we're going to talk to Arjun on Cecil. And he also interviewed some talent as well as saw the film. So Arjun, let's start off with the film. Can you kind of tell us a little bit about what it's about and what you thought about it? Um. So Cecil, is it's um, really a story about... I think he's a fourth grader. His name's Cecil Stevens, but he he has a lisp, like a speech impediment that kind of, he can't say his name because of it. And I think he just moved into the school. So, you know, he kind of, you know, people make fun of him and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, he kind of wants to be more popular among the group and not be um, bullied as much. So he, um, he kind of, he changes his, he kind of forms like a business to change names and he changes his name to the one and only Michael Jordan, of course. And really the movie is just centered around that idea. You know, I'll be perfectly honest. When I first saw the story and first watched the trailer, I was a little bit off put because I felt like personally, it was a bad message of giving into bullies. He didn't want to say his real name because he was getting bullied for it. So he put on a fake name and encouraged that for others. Did you at all get that feeling from the film, or am I completely in the wrong here? 
initially I was taken aback by it, but I kind of just saw it as a neat little, um, I mean, just a neat little, like, it's it's done in the joking manner. Obviously, all of the situation's done in the movie. But it also, you know, the movie ends up on a good message. So it's not like they leave it at that. You know, there's more development regarding that, you know, which I think the trailer should have also shown because um, the movie's actually really heartwarming when it comes to that. Well, that's very good to hear because I have to say I was a little bit worried when I first saw that. And you also interviewed some talent from the movie. So can you t- kind of talk about who you interview and what you learned? Um, so I, of course, interviewed the um, main character, Cecil, who's played by um, Stark Asadorian. And, of course, his um, best friend in the movie, uh, Abby, played by Christabeth Campbell. And, uh, you know, I kind of asked them questions, you know, which, like, uh, you know, for example, Sark, I asked, you know, because uh, Cecil is actually like a basketball player in the game. And, you know, I kind of asked, does he play any sports in real life? And he does not play basketball, but he does rock climb, which is pretty cool. And what? of course, for, uh, yeah. And of course, for Krista Beth, I also asked a similar question because her character is a newspaper reporter, like a school newspaper reporter. And she does not write newspapers, but she does do a lot of creative writing and even writes her own script and scripts and music, which I also thought was really cool, you know. It's, it's questions like these where you learn a lot. Yeah, it's really interesting how actors, especially child actors, can relate to their characters and bring out unique traits in them. And I'm sure writing and rock climbing really brought a lot to the characters. And in terms of the age range, it's most obviously a kid's film. But uh, what specific age range would you give it and why? I would give it an 8 to 18. There are a few surprisingly, like, not like too violent or like anything of that sort but there are a few violent scenes and some you know gags which are which are a little gross out for um younger kids but i mean it's still mainly a kids movie but i think for that reason i'd go like maybe a seven or eight to 18 well that seems basically expected and i have to ask what is the message of this film uh yeah um the movie all right so let's go the main message is that we shouldn't really give in to, like, doing a new name. Um, like, I don't know how to go about this without spoiling the movie, but it's not really a spoiler because it's, you know, it's a theme throughout the movie. But we shouldn't, you know, we should accept who we are and our names because, you know, there's always a beauty within our name. And then even if we can't pronounce that, that's, that's, a, that's also, like, a true characteristic in and of itself. Well, it seems like the fault for this film actually aligns with the trailer makers, which doesn't happen a lot. But sadly, it yeah. seems to have happened with this film. But for the film itself, how many stars would you give it and why? I'd probably give it a four out of five stars. I thought the movie was overall really well done. And I think it was great to, you know, I, I really appreciated the um, purpose of the event because I really saw the um, the true relationship between a cast and crew and how enthusiastic they they were about making the movie, which, you know, is something which sometimes you don't even see in many movies. Um, But they were just truly enthusiastic. Like, this is literally like, I mean, they they just had full-on passion for making this movie. Um, And I think the movie overall worked well. It You know, it is, it's kind of like a straight-to-DVD movie. So, I mean, you know, it's not going to be like, total theater quality but it came pretty close to it actually and i think it's an overall really entertaining movie that people should check out but specifically what do you think about it made it straight to dvd i know it's already on amazon prime 
Why do you think that it's best for uh, instant streaming and DVD platforms instead of through the theaters? Well, for one, I did learn that from the um, the crew struggles to get the movie made. Um, you know, there's just a lot of production troubles. Um, I do feel like it can be one of those movies that kind of gets a cult following later on and, you know, gets a release in the theater and all that. Because, I mean, you know, most straight to DVD movies are very subpar, but this is definitely in the rarity where it was just it was actually really well made. Um and I, I think it's mainly just the problems with the production studios and all that, but it overall came out really well. That's very sad to hear that it did get stuck in that kind of yeah. situation where it had the potential, but sadly at the end, it got stuck in a worse position. But uh, overall, Arjun, would you say there's anything you'd like to see changed about the film? It could be the story, the acting, anything at all. Um, I think the story and the acting are on point. You know, There's nothing you can change there. I do think that the use of, like sounds during gags it did feel a little like not like something you would really get out of a movie but i mean i think they could have reduced that a little but um and even uh there were a couple of fart gags which are kind of like really do we need that now but i think aside from that most of the humor was well done um the movie was well filmed the movie was well acted i mean you kind of you kind of get a a really all around you know one hour 30 minute watch that's very good to hear, and it seems like overall there's quite a few issues with the comedy, right? Um, not too much. I mean, just some, a few minor. I mean, like a few minor issues that you know can take you aback sometimes. But I mean, like it's nothing to ruin the experience. Well, I'm glad to hear it is. It's overall very good. It seems like a pretty decent film, and I'm really glad to learn that the story isn't as dark as it seems. Yeah. Well, Arjun, thank you so much for talking to me about Cecil. No problem. For our viewers, if you'd like to check it out, like I said, it's already on the instant streaming platform, so check it out now. Let's take a break. I'm Jerry Orris from Los Angeles, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. This week's show is sponsored by Octonus Reef. Build a better business. Achieve that goal. Make good on that resolution. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate change succeed to become a kids first film critic enter one of our local campaigns running throughout the year or join our national campaign this fall we are looking for kids ages 7 to 16 who love movies love talking about movies and love the chance to see movies before anyone else does all you need to do to enter is submit a written and videotaped review of one of our selected films and then reach out to your friends and family to vote for you. This summer, join us at one of our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps in three cities, New York, Washington, D.C., and Martha's Vineyard, where you can learn how to critique films and practice your on-camera and acting skills. Check it all out at www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to be one of America's next film critics? Just visit kidsfirst.org for more information. Hurry, our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps are filling up fast. Join our team of youth reporters and help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose to go see. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events 
to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Build your better business. Achieve that goal. Make good on that resolution. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. You are tuned in to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids Channel. Shh, turn off your phone. Another movie review is coming up. Hey, welcome back. I'm Sahiba, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. We've been talking about Run the Race, the kid who would be king, the upside, Llama Llama Red Pajama, and Sissio. And next, we'll be talking with Arjun on Stan and Ollie. So, Arjun, what did you think about this film, and what is it about? Um, So, I, I thought the movie was absolutely great. I don't know too much about Laurel and Hardy. Obviously, before watching the movie, I didn't know it was about them, and I recognized the importance of them in history. You know, they're they're a comedy they're a comedy duo, and they're one of the most important out there in argue in in history. And I think for what it was, it was an amazing biopic that that covered all experiences of their personal life, and of course, I guess their their last tour. That's wonderful. Yeah, I had no idea about who Stan and Ollie were too. And I think I would love to watch this movie just to get an education and um, see the film. So uh, what were your thoughts on the acting? And were they sort of able to live up to the um, true personalities? Um, so the acting is absolutely phenomenal. Um, I really can't pick who's better. John C. Riley is as... As... Um, as... as um, Hardy or even Steve Coogan as Laurel. Um, I, I didn't want to mix up their names, but they they both just did an absolutely wonderful job. They they sold each um, each like personalities of their characters. It was spot on. I mean, if you were to compare like the record footage of them and the footage from the movie, it's almost like lifelike. It's you know, it really reminded me of how lifelike Rami Malek's performance was in Bohemian Rhapsody. Like I could compare like they're all on the same tier. Like, we're just getting some really good biopics these days. Oh, yeah, that's pretty amazing. There are a lot of um, good biopics coming out, and, um, yeah, that's really cool. So um, what did you think of the costumes and the makeup? Like you said, that they were sort of able to make it seem as if Stan and Ollie were the real people, but um, could you elaborate a little more? Um, so I thought the costumes once again were great. I mean, they definitely did a lot of reference work for the time period and all that to get to nail the costumes just right. Um, uh, I do think that, uh, man, the names can get confusing sometime, but, uh, Hardy's, um, makeup and costume work, he looked exactly like his counterpart, like 
if you compare the pictures, like I, in the end of the movie, they kind of show like real life stills. I was like, he looks exactly like him. And even Laurel comes pretty h- close too. It's hard to, you know, get the all the features just down right. But I mean, they they did the absolute closest they could and it, and it looked amazing. That is amazing. I always love it when they have biopics and then the end, like the credits, they show those pictures so you can compare and contrast. That's really amazing. And so do you think that they were able to do justice to the real story of Stan and Ollie? Do you like the way that the movie took it and told it? Uh, I think that they absolutely did justice to the movie. I mean, people who don't even know about the duo could just watch it and gather a lot of, you know, information about them, you know, like you learn a lot from the movie about their experiences and the hardships they faced, which are done really well. Um, I do think that the movie storytelling at first was a little shaky just because, you know, it kind of alternates between two different time periods. Um, and I do think that that was a little confusing at first, but once I got used to it and it kind of goes away near the middle and end, um, it was an absolutely just wonderful tale to watch. Awesome. And so what did you think of the set designs? You said, you said that there are two different time periods. So how did they sort of handle that? Um, well, they're, they're set in the time period. They're set in like the same time period. So the set design was really honestly the same. It's just that it was kind of like, I don't know how much year of a gap it was, but it, it covers like the prime of their performances, like when they first started performing and then maybe like 10 or 20 years later, probably when they embark on their last performance, you know, they kind of had some hardships where they separated for a time. But, you know, as all as all best friends do, they stay true to each other and, you know, just really want to embark on another, um, I guess, tour. Nice. It's all very, very sweet and wonderful movie. So finally, what would you say the star rating and age range would be? I'd give it a 4.5 out of 5 stars. And I would say it's a 7 to 18, mainly because there are some scenes with smoking and brief language. N- nothing much, really. It's very cool. Pain. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Arjun, for talking with me about Stan and Ollie. I'm excited to watch this film, and it's been a pleasure speaking with you. For sure. Of course. So be sure to check out Stan and Ollie in theaters today. You're listening to Kit's First Coming Attraction. Today we're talking about... Run the Race, The Kid Who Would Be King, Llama Llama, Red Pajama, Cecile, The Upsides, Dan and Ollie. And next, we'll be talking with Alejandra and Jordan about The Cat in the Hat Knows a Lot About That, Season 3, Volume 1. Welcome to the show, guys. Thank you for having us. Hi. Hi. So, um, Alejandra, can you tell me um, a little bit about Cat in the Hat and what is it about? Well, it's about um, the cat in the hat and his friends going on different adventures that teach the audience that's watching it through the stories that the cat in the hat teaches about nature and how to play in it. Nice. And um, Jordan, so how did you feel when watching this this show? Was it funny? Was it sad? Was it a combination of everything? Well, I think the show was very interesting, and since I used to watch this when I was younger, it was nice to kind of bring back that sense of nostalgia, so I really liked it. Oh, 
Oh, that's really interesting. And so you say that you've seen it before in your childhood. How does it sort of compare like now and then? Well, actually, nothing's really changed, which I really like. It still kind of has that childish feel, and I really like that. And it's very imaginative, similar to Dr. Seuss's books. That's amazing. I'm, that's good. That's a wonderful thing that they sort of kept it the same, and I'm glad they did that. And Alejandra, so what did you think about the voice acting? Well, I thought it really fit the characters that it w- that they were portraying. For example, the voices for the little girls, it was fit for them because it represented a little girl with um, a voice a bit high. It gave off the or demonstrated the exact character. Awesome. And what did you think of the characters? Did you like them? Did you like their development? Well, yeah, I, I liked the, their, not development, but their um, interaction and their, um, the way they participated in the stories, because the way that the storyline would go, it's the way that the audience gets the message and the stories that they would understand in the show. Oh, that's very nice. And um, Jordan, so could you relate to anyone in this series? Was there anyone that you felt you could really relate to? Actually, yes, I could relate to one of the two main characters, I'm Sally and Nick. They're both young children, and when I was younger, although I'm not as interested in it as now, I used to do a lot of science experiments, and I'm very curious and inquisitive, and I would always do these different experiments at home and try and like learn new things. So they really reminded me of myself at a younger age. Oh, that's really cool. And that's so cool that you were so inquisitive and had all these cool science things. <laughs> <laughs> but um, Alejandro, what did you think of the animation of Cat in the Hat? Well, I think it's very unique. I'm pretty sure that everybody that sees um, the characters in a poster or in a commercial, they know right away when they see them that it's, that it, it's about the cat in the hat. So I think they've done a really good job at being distinct and um, standing out from all the other um, animations. Wonderful. And do you think that um, they sort of did justice to the original Dr. Seuss and the artistry in his books? I think so. I think um, these new ser- these new um, seasons have um, continued, not the legacy, but continued the how um, knowledgeable and how beneficial it is for kids to watch the kind of hat because they learn new topics and um, facts that they use in their normal life while having fun and doing interesting things. Awesome. Yeah, so um, Jordan, what were some of the messages in The Cat in the Hat? Well, although there wasn't a main message overall, one episode did focus on the idea that accidents can lead to amazing discoveries. But there are other things you can learn that relate to different like science concepts by watching the episodes. Oh, that's really interesting. And that's sort of a unique thing. Um, did you have a favorite episode in particular? Um, my favorite episode, I think it was titled, it was about how boats are able to float and I just found it really interesting because in order to get there they had to travel to this like strange island and in each episode as always there's always like different steps and layers so coming to a conclusion and so I won't spoil it but I just thought it was really interesting how they were able to get there and I actually didn't really know how boats were able to float so I kind of learned something new. 
Wow, yeah, that is really cool. And it's fun when um, sort of us older kids can learn from these shows. I remember reviewing one of these DVDs as well, and I learned something new, and I was like, this is amazing. But, <laughs> yeah, our, I have a question. Are most of the episodes based off of science? Can you repeat the question again? So I was wondering, are most of the episodes based off of science? Um sort of concept um, no no it depends on the season the episodes are in for example th- this season was um it was dedicated to nature and how um children can play in nature while being careful it was all related to the environment and out the out the outdoors but other seasons are about other topics so it has a lot of variety and i completely recommend it for pe- for children because i have a lot from where to choose from yeah that is really cool that each season is sort of unique in its own way and so finally Alejandro would you say the age range and star rating would be well I would say the age range would be from two years old to seven years old it's for it's mainly um dedicated or directed towards the um infant or children audience yeah Wonderful. And how about you, Jordan? What would you say the age range and star rating would be? Um, I completely agree, except I just said ages three to seven specifically. But I agree that the show is focused towards more of a younger audience. And I think that'll show when they watch the episodes. Awesome. Well, it's been so much fun to talk with you guys about the cat in the hat. So thank you so much thank for being here. Thank you for having here. us. Thank oh. you. Of course. And so be sure to check out The Cat in the Hat Season 3, Volume 1 um, on DVD today. I'm going to check it out because I'm curious and I want to learn something new. Thank you so much for joining us. You have been listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. To watch our latest reviews of the latest films, DVDs, TV shows, music, and apps, and to learn how you can join our Kids First Film Critics team, go to www.kids first.org be sure to check out our youtube t- our youtube channel and look for our reviews on press for kids kidsworld.com and kidsville news this show is produced by the coalition for quality children's media for voice america and iHeartRadio. radio today's show is sponsored by octonauts reef i'm sahiba thank you so much for listening and see you next time again for tuning in to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids channel. Now you know more about which movies are playing and can make an informed decision. Tune in again next week.